please stand and join me in the call to worship. In faith, Abraham and Sarah set out for a new land. In faith, the church seeks to discern the future to which God calls us in our age. God of present, past, and future, guide us now to your new age of promise. seated. 
And let me welcome you to Southside Baptist Church today, those who are our guests especially, but all that are gathered here. We've come here to worship the one true and living God, to unite our hearts and minds and spirits together. I trust that all who came in today, those guests and members alike, were greeted with the warmth of, of uh, the presence of Christ. And we also want to continually express that day in and day out. If you are here in worship today, we'd like to ask you to put your name and any other information you would like in the registration booklet you'll see at the end of each pew, and that will give us a, a little bit of knowledge about your presence. And if there's anything else that you would like to say to us, kind remarks please, then we would appreciate having those as well. But nevertheless, it is a way for you to communicate with us on a weekly basis. Southside Baptist Church is here in the heart of Five Point South, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that is welcoming all who come in and to worship, but also to welcoming them into our the friendship that we have individually. And I'd like today, if you would, as you uh, are gathered here, to stand and maybe greet those close to you by passing the peace of Christ and just let them know that um, you hope the peace of Christ is with them. gather together let's bow together offering our prayers to the Lord loving Lord we gather in this place familiar place that sometimes we enter into unprepared we pray that you would help us to draw our minds and hearts centered and focused entirely on you May all that we do in these moments together bring honor and glory to you. May you sense the devotion of our heart. May it be expressed in a way that is pleasing to you. For always, as we gather here, we seek to do so in spirit and in truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Our first reading this morning is from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and the book of Habakkuk. And I want to read the opening verses of the book, verse, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then jump to the right to the end of the book, chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Hear the word of the Lord. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will exalt in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. The word of the Lord. second reading comes from Romans 15, 5 through 13. May, <clears throat> may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Christ Jesus. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will, have, will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the, is the word of the Lord. Be to God. 
We've got somebody right here up on the front watching his family today. Well, today I wanted to talk to you a little bit. You know, last week we had, I think six up here last week. You had a whole crowd. Did you tell them not to come back? No? They're just not here today. Well, maybe they'll be here next week because I know it's a lot more fun when they're here with you. There were five and you. Yeah. Well, today I want to talk to you. Whatever you say. When we think about the today, what Dr. Uh, Roxborough read, and also what um, Mr. Carl just read, I wanted to tell you about a story that's in the Bible that talks about faith, and it's sort of a hard thing for us to think about, you know, faith. But it has to do with what you believe will take place. Because I may have had to help me read this. So I want you to read this in just a minute. You can read it, can't you? Look right here in this, where it says in verse 6. What does it say there? If? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can, okay. you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the Okay, thank you. So that's faith. Now, a mustard seed is not something most of us know anything about. But look at this right here. No, not that. I'll let you look at that later. Look at that. What's in there? It's, it's not really, this is not, it's the size of a mustard seed. But look how small it is. Now think about a tree growing from that. But what the scripture tells us is if we have faith that's even like one, look, at, look how small one is. Because God is so powerful that just faith in one of those, like as much as one of those, can make wonderful things happen. And part of it is believing that you have that faith. Now, we also know that these small seeds can grow into big things, like in the mustard seed, it grew into something big. And even in one place, it talks about the birds of the air nesting in its, in its limbs of a mustard uh, tree or bush. Think about the biggest tree that you've seen. What's the biggest tree you've seen? One in your yard? Do you have a big tree in your yard? No. We do. We have a real big one in the yard, several of them. And we are still fighting weeds from those. They keep falling and keep falling. And, and the acorns that fall as well. So the thing is that they grow very, very large, but what Jesus is saying is that faith is believing that something can happen and having, believing it, hopefully a lot more than this, but even having this kind of faith, if we believe in it correctly, it can make big things happen. So when we think about having faith or believing or thinking about something that's small that can be big, just as we have faith that Jack's going to grow up and be a big, strong young man, right? Yeah. And so, oh, sit down. Be careful. So you're going to have faith. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we believe that you're going to be big and strong and that you'll be able to have faith too. So 
We want to offer a prayer for you, but also that everybody out there will also have that kind of faith, even that of a mustard seed, that will remind us that God is with us and wonderful and great things can happen. So let's pray. Loving Lord, we thank you for all the blessings of life. I thank you for Jack and ask that you would bless him. I do pray that you would increase our faith, all of us, that we would have the faith and believe that even the faith of a mustard seed can make wonderful and wondrous things happen. Bless each person here, in Christ's name, amen. I invite you to join me this morning in prayer. Shall we pray? Gracious God, we come into your presence this morning and ask that you would turn our hearts towards you. We have come before you to worship, but also to pray, to pray for ourselves as well as our world. We pray that you would keep us from times of trial and temptation that you would fill us with compassion for our companions on the way, that you would come to our aid when we are weak, when we are weary, when we sometimes lose our way. Wherever we walk this week, will you guide us? Wherever we walk, will you guard us? May our heart's longing be towards you. We thank you that you give light to each one of us, and you open your hand to share the good things of the world with us. We give thanks to you for Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who brings us the vision of the kingdom and teaches us to walk in paths of righteousness and peace. And yet we live in a world of great need, a world where many leave their homes to seek a place of safety. Give to us a spirit of welcome and generosity. In a world where many suffer from violence, give us the heart of peacemakers. In a world where many live in poverty, open our hands and our hearts to share. God of grace, you care for the good as well as the evil, the righteous and the unrighteous, and you even care for us. Help us to open our hearts to not only friends but strangers, to love not only those who are kind but those who are unkind, the hurt as well as the angry, the suffering as well as the good. We come this morning to remember those hurt by something done to them, a betrayal of friendship, an act of unkindness, an experience of humiliation or bullying. We pray for all who still suffer from the injustice and opposition that arise from racist attitudes and actions in society. Heal our nation, O oh Lord, we pray. We pray for any who are facing particular danger in these days. We think of those who are in our armed forces, and we do not forget to bless and pray for their families as well. Be close also to those drawing near the end of life's journey. May they be sure that as one sun sets upon them, yet a greater one rises. May the blazing light of your glorious presence from where all suffering has flown, 
and where peace may come in all its fullness, may they be known at this stage of life. Lord, in your mercy, we thank you. You hear our prayers, even prayers that we ask and we do not see the answer to already, but we offer them all through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
we often have to make statements of faith even though it doesn't seem to be real or true. None ever called on thee in vain. Yet how many times have you called and it seems to be in vain? You pray and you pray and you pray and yet the answer you've been hoping for doesn't come. There are many moments both in personal experience as well as human history when it's easier to believe that God does answer prayer than at other times. During a period of illness, facing up to an economic setback, coping with a new uncertain political process, the reason will vary according to different situations, but the experience is the same. Maintaining faith is not easy. The book of Habakkuk reflects an exceeding, exceedingly traumatic period in Israel's history. They have already gone through the trauma of one invading army called Assyria, destroying one city after another, brutally attacking the people of God. And we know that not, half, not long after Habakkuk is writing this particular prophecy, another empire will invade, will attack the people of Judah, the southern kingdom, and eventually take the people into captivity and destroy the, the Jerusalem and the temple. Life was uncertain. The future appeared to be bleak. How do you maintain faith in such a circumstance? As he comes before God in prayer, his prophet is, is striking. He doesn't mince his words as he comes before God in prayer. Early on in the book, he says, Oh Lord, how long? How long shall I cry to you and you will not listen? The only thing the prophet feels he can do is pray, but even prayer is difficult. As you read through the early verses of this book, you become aware that God is not quick to answer. And so in chapter 2, the prophet begins, I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. He's not going to get let go of God off the hook, but like what Jesus speaks about, asking, seeking, and knocking, and keeping on and watching and seeing if he will answer. And then when God eventually answers, the divine internet service has obviously been down, too much data being taken up, God's answer is not what he would have liked. Wait, be patient. I have to confess that waiting is not my favorite occupation, whether it's in a long line at the post office, the bank, or as yesterday morning at Costco, I think Costco, along with Atlanta Airport, seems to me to be purgatory. And as a Baptist, I'm not meant to believe in purgatory, even though sometimes you go through it. Waiting is not easy. Wait, says the Lord. Deliverance is coming, but you have to wait. The answer of the Bible often is annoyingly realistic. It challenges all the easy answers of quick fixes that as human beings we want in an instant society. In the midst of uncomfortable personal and national and international circumstances, that the prophet reminds us that to maintain faith is to cling to the promises of God's faithfulness and truth. I'm not too sure how Habakkuk would have got on with ratemyprophet.com. But sometimes the use of the prophet Habakkuk has been difficult to people to cope with. 
1940, a church newspaper in Basel, Switzerland, published a column under the title, Word on the Current Situation, and then used the prophecy of Habakkuk in his complaint against evil and unrighteousness, and people felt it was a little bit too political against the emerging Nazi regime, and so the military censors banned the newspaper. Then in the time of apartheid in South Africa, Alan Bosak preached a sermon using Habakkuk's cry, how long, O Lord, in South Africa, and people were offended that he was using scripture against politics. The book has been decreed to be politically dangerous, questioning humanity's sin and evil, and standing up against it and saying this is wrong, and the way of Christ is right. Yet Habakkuk also has an unflinching belief in God's ability to make an end to evil eventually, that God will act and not forget his promises, promises towards his creation, promises towards people. But we have to wait, and that's what, make it, that's what makes faith difficult. O Lord, I have heard of your renown, and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work, in our time, make it known. Interesting way of putting it. Not 70 years down the line, Lord. In our time, when we're still alive, would you, would you get up and would you answer our prayers? In wrath, may you remember mercy. The problem with faith is that we've got to live between the reality of the present and what we hope will be the glorious future. The in-between time of complaint and struggle, of speaking out, and crying out. This is where we live as the people of faith, active, alive in this world, struggling with injustice, perplexed at our experiences of life that seem to suggest that not, God is not as kind as we thought he was going to be, and waiting for his promises to be answered. And yet, the knowledge we have of the way in which God has acted in the past sustains us somewhat as we live in the present. I love that hymn of John Newton where he says, his love in times past forbids me to think he'll leave me at last in trouble to sink. But sometimes we feel that we are sinking in trouble. In our own personal lives, we may find ourselves in a situation of pain and suffering without end. But here, near the end of the book, Habakkuk speaks about living in the midst of disappointment and knowing that even in the midst of disappointment, we can have faith and we can have hope. Not just faith, but hope. So, Habakkuk speaks about the reality. The fig tree does not blossom. There is no fruit on the vine. There are no livestock in, in the stalls. So, what do we do about it? Where well, we live in faith, we sometimes have to just stick it out. We sometimes have to Thole it, T-H-O-L-E, it's a great Scottish word that Robert Burns uses in his poem about the mouse. Thole it, stick it out, grin and bear it. There's a lot of tholing to do in the Christian life, of trusting in God. But it's better than that. And Habakkuk says, though the fig tree does not blossom and there are no fruit on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there are no herds in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will exalt in the God of my salvation. 
it's relatively easy to have faith and hope and rejoice in God when the barns are full and the fields are teeming with livestock and the orchards are blossom, blossoming. But relying on God in difficult days is much harder, and yet that's what faith is all about. And not only having faith, but a bit like Paul in his letter to the Philippians that we're studying on Wednesday evenings, he's lying in prison, and he writes to the church, and he says, rejoice in the Lord, again I say rejoice. He has to say it twice. He says, rejoice in the Lord, and he knows what the reaction will be. Oh, you've got to be joking. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. It's a picture of a heart that loves God, not just for the blessings He gives, but a, a picture of a heart that loves God because we love God. Rejoicing in God, the giver, rather than merely the gifts that He provides. The picture of the one who knows that life inevitably brings low moments, many of them, and that these low moments are not signs that God has abandoned us, picture of someone who doesn't only focus on the minutiae of life, but tries to zoom out <laughs> to see the big picture of the never-ending love and grace and mercy of God. Sometimes we've got to go through the, the complaining to get to that point, mind you. We sang that great hymn of the church last week, Great is Thy Faithfulness. You know where it comes from. It comes from Lamentations, one of the most depressing books in the whole of the Hebrew Bible. I am the one who has seen affliction. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. He turns his hand against me again and again all day long. He's having a bad day. Twenty verses of complaint, and then eventually, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. At the end, and we sing it, familiar song to a great tune, but it comes at the end of a long litany of complaining about the reality of life. Now, there's nothing Pollyanna or naive about this rejoicing. Pollyanna's game of finding something to be glad about in every situation, no matter how bleak it may be, Faith and hope are fully aware that the days when the fig trees do not blossom and the flocks have no, um, are without folds and there's no herd in the stalls. The righteous live by faith and all, also with bold lament. Faith and lament, complaint and confidence, strangely enough, go together in the Hebrew Bible. There are more psalms of lament than there are psalms of praise and thanksgiving. I will rejoice. Now, we've got to think about this in the context of an agricultural setting, of a farmer who is always wondering what will happen. Will it be a good spring to sow the seed? What will the summer be like? Uh, will it be wet? Will it be dry? Will there be drought? Will there be storms? And what will happen? Will the harvest actually come? Because if the harvest doesn't come, we've got no supplies to make it through the winter. We just assume that publics will make sure we've got all we have in our time of need. And then these strange snow days come in Alabama, and the bread flies off the, 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 off the, the places where it should be in publics. Shelves, that's the word I was looking for, shelves. 
We think public should have it all there for us, even in the ethnic section with the British stuff. What do you mean you've got no digestive biscuits this week? It should be there waiting for me to buy. Though the fig tree does not blossom, though there's no fruit in the vine, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. We make a lot, rightly so, every week in this church concerning the grace, the inclusive grace of a welcoming, loving God. Long may it continue. But if we focus on grace, grace that is undeserved, grace that comes to us in all sorts of situations, then the response of those who know grace is gratitude, thankfulness, rejoicing in God. That doesn't mean that we don't protest. <laughs> There's a mixture of faith and hope. There's a mixture of lament and complaint and confidence. There's a mixture of crying out to God and also crying out against the injustice we see. It's all part of this wonderful little prophecy of Habakkuk. Desmond Tutu lived all his life in South Africa through apartheid, through the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, deeply involved in a process where perpetrators of violence could find a voice and those who had suffered could find hope for the future. 1984, he received the Nobel Peace Prize. He wrote a profound affirmation of his faith, faith in God even in the midst of the experience of prejudice and oppression. Goodness, he said, is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness. Life is stronger than death. Victory is ours through God who loves us. Faith and hope that helps us make it into the future. Our second reading that Carol read to us this morning ties in so well with this prophecy. It contains a most remarkable verse, Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope. Not just the God who gives hope, but the God of hope. Seems to be suggesting that God is a hopeful God. And because God is a hopeful God and God is the one who makes promises that God is the one in whom we can place all our confidence. As you trust in him, may you be filled with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope. Now, that's a promise worth holding on to. Will you pray with me? God of hope, God of the past, the present, and the future, the God to whom we pray and sometimes we don't hear you answering, but we still pray. We ask, we seek, we knock, and we ask that you would hear us in your mercy. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. A hymn of faith and declaration in the midst of life is number 633, all the way my Savior leads me. Dr. Kelly will be at the front if you want to use this hymn as a means of responding to the word of the Lord today. 633.
Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, we are so truly thankful to be in your house today. What a sober reminder that we are not often thankful. We are often discouraged. We're the neg searching for your voice, and we often don't hear it. We hear the negative and choose to focus on it. But today, may we come with grateful hearts. May today, that offering that we give is one that is truly thankful for all the gifts that you have given us. Things that we just don't stop to recognize. Things that we are given and we just pass by it. But things that you have truly given us, like love and friendship and family and most importantly, grace, that boundless, endless grace that covers each and every one of us. May today, this morning, may we give abundantly, thankful for all that you have given us, for all the grace and the love that you were so willing to give. Take these offerings now. Take our hearts and what we're offering to you and multiply it to expand your word here in this community and beyond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Lord, it's with grateful hearts that we present these offerings. We ask, O oh Lord, that you bless them, that you multiply them, and that they be used for your kingdom's work. In Christ's name, amen. Be seated for just a moment, please. It's good to see you all here, and especially those who are guests. We're delighted that you're able to be with us today. And just to tell you that at the end of worship, uh, we will have a, a little reception, time of hospitality there in the narthex for those who can linger long enough to let us talk with you and whether you're guests or members alike hope that you'll do that and then also to uh, I wanted to ask you one thing as you look around where you are in your places that you sit most every week except for a few of you who have moved today but on a regular basis look around do you see someone in your little area that is not here or do you see the, the place vacant that they would normally fill. Think about this week, about contacting those people, about reminding them that you've missed them. That way it's your little circle of space, your circle of influence here in the sanctuary that you can remember and make contact with. So I hope that you will do that because a part of our living out our faith and by being grateful is grateful that God has brought us here, that we're able to relate to other people in this community and to be the presence of Christ as we seek to build an inclusive, an inclusive community of grace. I would remind you of some things this week that are going on. We have the uh, deacons, please take note that the deacons meeting is not tomorrow night, but postponed for one week due to the holiday weekend. And then, uh, but on Wednesday night, uh, just to um, again reiterate what Dr. Roxburgh has already said, the, the study in Philippians has been a great study, uh, the fourth chapter this week. and. Uh, if you haven't rejoiced already, you will come, and you will be able to rejoice with us then, especially. So I hope that you'll come and, and be a part of that. And then the contemplative service on Thursday. Dr. Banks is here to make a, an announcement about the uh, concert that will be held on Friday evening here. So, Dr. Banks. Sometimes uh, a free concert, one gets the idea that it's not worth very much. Uh, guess what? Uh, most places you would pay a big dollar to hear this concert. Um, may I say, uh, but even more important than that, this work is a magnificent new setting of the seven last words of Jesus. Uh, there has not been very many settings in recent years. There's some old ones, a few of you might even know one by Dubois and some others that have, have uh, uh, gone around. But this is by a uh, young composer. I say young because he's younger than me. I met him in Dallas about four years ago. His name is Michael John Trotta. And he has taken both the words of Jesus, uh, Father, forgive them, for they know what, not what they do. Uh, and um, uh, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then added words from scripture uh, references as well. Uh, to create a seven-movement, 40-minute piece that is just, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, very, very moving. And I think it would be a marvelous way for you uh, or anyone to begin their Lenten season. It's the, it's the Friday night before Ash Wednesday uh, and that sort of thing. Dr. Trotta is going to be here with us. Uh, this is with the UAB Choir and our Southside Choristers and an orchestra uh, made up primarily, if I may say, of, of Sanford-related folks. Uh, a lot. I still have a few... Uh, pulls from over there, and um, so it's going to be a marvelous evening here in the in the um, uh, in the sanctuary. Two of our soloists are uh, Siobhan Russell, where is Siobhan? Hello, uh, and Bo Boudreau. 
you go, Ryan's back here. Um, they are, of course, our Martinson scholars, but they're also UAB students, and uh, we're really looking forward to this concert. There will be a, a short instrumental work to begin the concert, uh, and I'll do beautiful four minutes. Uh, then the UAB choir will sing several uh, of their own repertoire, beautiful pieces, uh, and then we will have uh, the presentation of the orchestra and the chorus. So uh, do tell folks about this. Don't uh, uh, assume that it gets told otherwise. Uh, and I'm going to walk out during this in just a minute and put this out there on the front and some other posters if you want to hang one up somewhere. Thank you for letting me go on about that. This is a marvelous piece. And if you really feel like in order for something to be good, you have to pay, they will take donations. We'll be glad to take those. And if you, yeah, oh, yes, yeah. we will take don donations. So if you really feel like you must. We are very blessed, we're grateful, and as we go out, as we hear the benediction, may, it, may we be reminded of that as we go out into the world. We receive the blessing of God. May grace, mercy, and peace from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all this day and forevermore. Amen.